everybody get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to an episode of Foodie and the Beast with me, Nikki Nellis. I am the Beastless today. My husband, David, is uh, in Chicago because he's vaccinated. So once you get vaccinated, you get to travel. So if you haven't been vaccinated, get that appointment and get that shot in your arm because it is life changing to feel and live like how we used to still with a mask, still socially distanced, still use hand sanitizer. Um, But I'm very excited for today's show. Uh, A couple of things before I dig into who's going to be on the show. First of all, the Michelin Guide dropped their announcement on Thursday. Uh, A little bit of uh, discontent around the DC metro area about whether or not the Michelin stars should be dropped. But Michelin was like, yeah, we don't care what you think. We're dropping them anyway. And uh, what's really fascinating is they dropped their plate awards, their bib awards, their star awards, and they have a new green star award. Um, The Michelin Guide celebrated the resiliency and culinary talent in DC with 23 starred restaurants, 41 bib gourmand awards, and this new green star, which I believe is the very first one, and that went to the incredible Patrick O'Connell at the Inn at Little Washington. So if you want to see who got what and who didn't, you can check it out on the list, areyouonit.com. And let's get into this week's show. So uh, Esteve Salgado is president and owner of Tradewind Specialty Imports. It's a company that specializes in boutique style family wine, spirits, cider and craft beer. Now he was educated alongside a first generation winemaker and he has an incredible education and expertise and he picks out amazing wines, several of which I have here today. So we're going to talk to him in a bit. And did you buy an Instapot during COVID and have no idea what to do with it? I'm raising my hand. That would be me. Chef Paula Scheuer, known as the kosher baker. She's back on the show. She has her fifth book, the Instant Pot Kosher Cookbook. She has tips and recipes, and she's going to explain it all to us. And for those of you sick of cooking, and I know there's a lot of you out there, John Agri is behind the Dindin. This is a pandemic pivot company, um, and it pairs locally based meal prep, meal delivery with neighborhood chefs. It's such a cool concept, and it is blowing up. And lastly, they say it's all in the family, and this one is on so many levels. Danny Karnoff is founder of Mapped. This is a locally sourced uh, global foods brand, and it specializes in really interesting cuisines and unique ingredients in ready-to-cook meals. And not only can you find Danny at Central Farm Markets, she also happens to be my cousin. So it's a little bit of both on the show, a little bit of nepotism. I'm very excited to have her. But first, Mitch Berliner is here from Central Farm Markets. Mitch, how are you? Tell us what's going on at the market. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, uh, we see the blood pressure is lower without the beast. Um, yes. We wish him safe travels. And I will just add uh, my political statement. Be a good patriot. Get your shot. Here, and here. Be a patriot. 
Anyway, I just want to tell you that uh, yesterday Pike Central Farm Market opened. We were busy. It was wonderful. We have more farmers and uh, artisan food producers than ever. And it was a wonderful opening. So come on out if that's a closer market or easy for you. That's on Saturdays. Big, big, big news in Bethesda today. First strawberries and plenty of them and rhubarb. And so it seems really early for strawberries and rhubarb, like rhubarb and strawberries are May. Those are May eats. Am I wrong? Uh, the answer is depends on the weather. It has been a little chilly, but what we've done on purpose is we've diversified uh, geographically where our farm is from. So this is Agriberry and they're way on the uh, northern neck of Virginia. So the, the temperatures are moderated by the uh, water there. And of course it's more South. So they were actually a little surprised. They picked a hundred flats of strawberries. So get in your car folks, if you're not at the market and come on down and get some. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like those kinds of straw. I mean, this is not like what you buy in the grocery store. They're totally like a different texture and a different flavor. They're so good. Well, there's no question. The the problem with, with supermarket stuff in general but in particular as you mentioned mm -hmm. strawberries tomatoes they have to pick them green they don't have much shelf life they don't mm -hmm. they don't travel well across thousands of miles so getting the local strawberries that's really sort of the kickoff of, of the season i can also report that meat crafters have had a lot of demand for an all beef product for those people that don't want to eat pork so we now have at meat crafters a beef all beef salami and it's mm. fabulous really Ooh. really good and we Great. also have plenty of plants now to put in your garden and herbs we have a lot of farmers huge huge choice so come on down get your gardens going even if you only have a deck excellent all right um mitch tell everybody please where they can find central farm markets i will do, indeed so first the easiest thing to remember is go to central farm markets that's plural central farm markets dot com and uh you could find all three of our markets our two year-round markets one is nova on uh, the parking lot of the church of the holy comforter in vienna mm -hmm. and we have our flagship oldest market going on our 16th season boy am i old and mm -hmm. that's in the uh, parking lot of bethesda elementary school that's every sunday also year round and as i just mentioned earlier pike at pike and rose on the parking lot of the REI parking lot. So great, Mitch. Folks. Great. Thanks so much, Mitch. Have Thank a great you. week. Take we'll see care. you next week. Okay. Up next okay. is Estebe Salgado with Tradewinds. Hey, Estebe, how are you? Hey, Nikki. Good to see you. Good to see you too. So Estebe, let's talk about Tradewinds specialty imports. What is the concept in general of your wine business? Yeah, before, before I jump in um i have my mouth salivating with all that food talk that you guys just uh told right? me. and it's it's i might have to go to the farmer's market and get some i know some you're not far from there yeah no that's no, no. amazing so um yeah and and a little bit about about myself uh came here i guess 19 years ago now so a few a few years back and um um started a company importing wines i'm originally from san sebastian so you were talking about Michelin starts, I think if you're a foodie, you might know San Sebastian because it's a very um, food centric uh, place in the world. Um, right. But, uh, but that's how I got passionate about food, wine and um, started my 
my own import company, um, specializing, like you said, um, in boutique wines, mostly farmers, just like farm to table for food. Um, we do some similar thing with the, with the wine concept, right? So we work with small farmers that own their own um, vines and mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, but how do you go about, cause I think for people, so you only do Spanish wines? No, or you expand. No, no, no. We started with Spanish wines. That's how mm -hmm. I got my, I guess, food on the door. And that's what I knew. That's, you know, how I got uh, passionate about. Um, then South America was the second part, uh, Argentina, Chile. And I have mm -hmm. to say both, both of those countries with, you know, the new Latin American concepts and everything coming out on board are fantastic wines, not just, you know, Cabernet or Sauvignon Blancs or anything like that. And mm -hmm. then also, I mean, we have some great domestic wines and ciders. One of the ones that I always mention is Brooklyn Cider House up in Newpoles, um, mm. which is beautiful countryside um, up here. Not not that far, but you know, a few, a few right. hours north. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then I mean, who doesn't have French wines, right? Uh, <laughs> I was very hesitant for a long time, being you know, oh no, French. But uh, yeah, of course, yeah, great. great so food. how do you go about? doing that because you know you've got these huge importers here right sure. that are bringing in the big wines but but they work with companies that have or wine companies I should say that have more money so how do you how do you find these smaller producers and and I mean basically you're helping them you help them bring their wines to market so how yes. do you go about doing that so pre-pandemic I used to travel quite a little bit, <laughs> so um, my my job sure, like wouldn't tell to yeah. I mean, travel to Spain, maybe some uh, you know Europe, uh, South America. Um, you get wine fairs; they're all over the world and everything. Um, I was, I mean, not to make a long story short, but I was in the airport in March, going to travel into Germany last year when everything shut down. Um, oh my goodness! Yeah, so. So yeah, last year, definitely, you know, curve of learning uh, in terms of the entire world and, and also like our business is uh, satisfying, you know, many of the Michelin restaurants that you mentioned. Uh, I'm sure a lot of other restaurants in the DC metro area at the end of the day. So, you know, that, that has been, you know, challenging for them and, and for us as well, right? But uh, Well, so how did you pivot? So if you were getting these amazing wines, okay, so you had multiple issues. So you're bringing in these amazing wines. The world is shut down. That's number one. Yeah. Number two, you service restaurants. Restaurants yeah. aren't ordering wines. Mm -hmm. So how did you pivot during during this time? I drank a lot at home. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't send me any? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, uh, we, we, we did a lot of, uh, so we have a bunch of retail partners as well. Um, you know, mm -hmm. Gran Cata, Decanter. Schneiders, I mean, um, with some of the uh, Rodmans and, and not mm -hmm. a lot of them. And, and those, those saw a little bit of growth. I mean, like you said earlier, everybody was cooking at home. Everybody's drinking at home. Um, trying to pivot also to, a, you know, a, so last year I started thinking on how we can um, identify ourselves or like go a little bit like beyond what we do, right? Uh, and, mm -hmm. and trying to trying to come up with an online idea uh which is still in the works but uh but it's still like uh, on the on the restaurant and 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 business side i would say um 
we were we were lucky enough to have great partners in the retail world. Um, and then honestly, I mean, it seems small, but a few of the restaurants that have been like, you know, they, they changed a few, like in DC, as you know, they were able to like serve uh, wine to their customers to go and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, sell but, wine. Yeah. And I think that's gonna stay around. I, yeah. I mean, I think that could be for you and for the restaurants, like this other revenue source Correct. Um, that a lot of people did not see happening. Hey, Esteve, you know what? Let's take a quick break. When we come back, you did send me some gorgeous wines, a rosé, in fact, my favorite. Um, so when we come back, let's talk about this winery, why you sent it to me, um, and we'll dig in a little bit. Awesome. This is Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. I'll be back in just a sec. And we're back on Foodie and the Beast with Nikki Nellis. Yes, David still exists. He's just not here today. Uh, and so I'm talking with Estebe Salgado of Tradewind Specialty Imports. Um, he brings in really fascinating boutique wines to restaurants and uh, stores in the DC metro area. Um, and Estebe, you sent me this wine. Ryan, yes. Ryan, tell me a little bit about it. You sent me a rosé and you sent me a red. Tell me about this wine and why why this is a, a great example of the kinds of wines that you carry. So that's that's a small winery right outside Madrid area in Spain. Um, mm -hmm. and, and one of the things that Adrian mentioned, Nikki, I, I guess uh, how it started, most of the wines that we have are organically grown vines, right? Like mm. organic, sustainable, all that. Um, and that's the one that, that you have on your hand. It's one of them um, that, is, uh, that is a great example. The Rosé, um, I mean, DC is the Rosé capital of the world, right? Or right. the US. Uh, so, so, I mean, they make fantastic Rosés. Uh, Arrayan in, in general, it's one of my favorites. Uh, dearly in my heart i found it randomly somebody recommended it and i was like i don't madrid wines you know eh, i don't know you know maybe rioja <laughs> like something and, mm -hmm. and i tasted them and they were like they were also re revitalizing vines from that region right so oh. it was the, like international like they had some of them but some of them that were not garnachas granache at the end of the day that's mm -hmm. their main grape that they, they grow. And, and I, I just, I don't know. I went to visit them, um, fell in love. I don't know. It's a, so it's, now let me ask you, can we buy these wines directly from you or do we have to go to your purveyors to get wines? What's, what's the best way to, for the lay person to access the wines that Tradewinds carries? So, like I said, we're working on something that is uh, direct to consumer nationwide and everything like that. But I think that has a few, um, a few. It's going to be a few months ahead. Um, okay. And right now, like I said, also great partners: um, Rodman's, uh, Grand Cata, uh, Cork Fifty Seven here in Bethesda, um, uh. Arrow Wine in Arlington. Um, if you go down to Richmond, I guess. But how do people know that they're like, how do people know that they're your wines? Um, if they have the chance to take a look at the bottle in the back. It says Tradewinds. It says Tradewinds, selected by Esteve. Usually. Yes. Usually. Okay. <laughs> uh, All right. Esteve, yeah. tell everybody where they can find you online, please. And um, when you guys launch nationally, let us know. We'll bring you back on. Perfect. Um, tradewindsspecialty.com 
and tradewindsearth.com. So those are Excellent. the two um, websites. Thank you great. for having me, Nikki, by the way. It's a Thank great, you, Esteve. Uh, have a good okay. weekend. So I don't know about you uh, and what you were cooking during the pandemic. I mean, I know we're still in it, but uh, a lot of people were buying different appliances and trying to do different things to shake up their cooking. One of them being an instant pot. And with me today is Chef Paula Scheuer. She's been on the show before. You know her as the kosher baker. She's got her fifth cookbook and it is the instant pot kosher cookbook. Um, Hi, Paula. How are you? Hi, Nikki. Great to be with you. I wish we could so, be there in person because you know if I come to the studio, I bring you food. I know, and I'm hungry. So, okay, let's just get into this, Paula, because I have so many questions. What is an Instant Pot? What's the difference between an Instant Pot and a pressure cooker and a Dutch oven? Like, there's all these appliances out there. What, what are the differences? Okay, so an Instant Pot is a pressure cooker, okay? Mm -hmm. So unlike the pressure cookers of the past that people would use on the stovetop that had a reputation for causing for problems and exploding, this is an electric pressure cooker. So everything is contained inside the unit, you just plug it in. And it basically cooks food really, really quickly. It uses less energy, less water, and everything is in one bowl, so you have like one thing to clean at the end. Yes, you could cook a stew in the oven in your Dutch oven or on your stovetop. But what the Instant Pot does is that it cooks like meat to super moist in about 35, 40 minutes. You can make split pea soup in about 20 minutes. You know, that was one wow. of the first recipes I ever made. It makes rice. For people who have small kitchens or don't have you know, the money to buy lots of different pots and pans, the Instant Pot could re replace so many of the items that you would normally have in your kitchen. So what is the Instant Pot doing? Like when you say it's pressure cooking, like what does that mean? Like what is happening inside that, you know, a stew that would normally sit on my stove for, you know, three hours gets done in 45 minutes or whatever? So think about you put your pot of chicken soup on on the stovetop and you, even if you turn it on to high, it's going to take a good a while <laughs> to really, really heat up. So even though the Instant Pot does have time to pressure. And when I first started making Instant Pot recipes, people would say, oh, this recipe takes five minutes. But then it would take 10 minutes to come to pressure. And I'm thinking that's not five minutes, that's 15. So in the book, I write down time to pressure on every recipe, but it comes to pressure reasonably quickly. Sometimes it's five minutes, sometimes it's 15. It could be as more, much as 20, depending on the volume you have inside. But then mm -hmm. once it comes to pressure, it cooks really quickly and then your food is done faster. So it's just like this intense thing happening inside. <laughs> yeah, I, and it, one of the other nice features about the Instapot, it has a saute feature, which uh, a traditional pressure cooker and a crock pot don't have. So you could sear your meat. You could saute your onions, your aromatics for soup before you add other things. Then you'll add your liquid and other ingredients and then you cook it. I always joke that during the pandemic, we all feel like a carrot thrown into an Instant Pot where you feel like the pre instant pressure. And then you look around, there's other vegetables so you're not alone, but then you have liquid and food and you're locked in and the pressure builds up. And then eventually <laughs> the pressure comes down and you're let out. So I always say like at its best, we're on the warm, set warm setting where we're at this new normal of discomfort. And at its worst, <laughs> we're all being fully pressure cooked. That's so funny. So now how did you get into instant pot cooking? I mean, was this oh, something was... you grew, uh, grew up doing? Cause like, I did not grow up with one. I, I, you know, 
I've never had one. I've known nothing about it. Like I just sort of, I just sort of saw it. My mother never had a pressure cooker, so I knew nothing about it. And I have to say, I was kind of late to the Instant Pot game. Fans of my other four cookbooks kept asking me for Instant Pot recipes, and I had nothing to offer them. And, you know, I'm kosher, so my kitchen is full of so many pots and pans and dishes, separate milk, meat. Right, because you have two of everything, right? Two of everything. So I'm thinking, do I need another appliance to take up real estate in my kitchen? Is it going to be meat? Is it going to be dairy? Is it going to be dairy-free? So I finally, finally gave in and got it. I made the split pea soup. I made Korean short ribs and rice, and I was hooked. And I learned about a kosher Instant Pot Facebook group, which back then had over 8,000 members, realized that they didn't like that people were posting recipes that still had to be adjusted kosher. And I realized that this group needed a cookbook. I mean, Nikki, I had used the device three times, wrote a book proposal, sent it to my publisher, and they're like, they were like, write yes. this book. So that God. Facebook group now has 14,700 members. Wow. And and so, and it's growing all the time. So I knew that some trends come a little bit later to the Jewish kosher, the Jewish kosher community. But I knew that this was on the upswing. And so far, the book but is wait, doing well. Paula, can I can I just break in for a second for those who don't keep kosher? Can you explain, or who just know like the bare minimum? Like, can you explain why people would be like, can you kosher this recipe for an Instapot? Like, what okay, so, what is so- it that needs to be done? Okay, so two things. One, kosher people do not mix milk and meat in the same recipe or at the same meal. So like I would not have a butter-based dessert after eating a steak. So because we have to separate milk and meat, we have separate utensils for everything. So that means pots and pans, small appliances, you know, silverware utensils. So we have to keep all of that separate. So if I'm going to use an Instant Pot, you know, I can't use it for meat and milk. So I have Mm -hmm. two meat ones and one dairy one. I had to do that to write the book, but I use them. I think I use my Instant Pot every day. Yesterday, I think I made four recipes in my Instant Pot just for my, um, for my, for the, for the weekend. You know, I made hummus, I made a, a, a soup. What do you, but so what changes in the recipe, for example, like let's take pea soup. Like what changes in that recipe to make it kosher? So Okay, for like, if I was making split pea soup, I would not make it, like if a recipe would classically have ham in it, we're not gonna use sure. ham. So we have to substitute maybe some other kind of a smoked meat. Sometimes people will use like, there's kosher bacon now or a pastrami or something else, some other smoked meat to replace that. Okay, Let's wait, say, kosher bacon? What is kosher bacon? I know, it's like, <laughs> it's not from a pig, it's from, it's either they do it like turkey or beef or lamb okay. and they cure it sure. like bacon. It's, it's, it's literally a godsend, I have to say. It's a great <laughs> contribution to kosher cuisine. So that's mm-hmm. been really fun. And some mm-hmm. recipes like a cream soup, like a leek and potato soup might have milk in it, but you might think I want to serve this at my meat based meal. So like in my book, I, I soak cashews in water and make a cashew cream to replace mm. cream. And then you do that. So, so like you're stealing the, from the plant-based people on that one. Cause that's a plant-based trip, oh, right? Oh, the plant-based people. We love them. In fact, like the gluten-free which we, which is like we all use for Passover. And then the dairy-free world is basically, you know, what we use in our daily cooking. So in the book, I have like, you know, if you were vegan or dairy-free, lactose intolerant, you would find a ton of recipes you could have in this book. Um, mm-hmm. So there, there's lots of weekday recipes as well as like, you know, kind of classic Jewish favorites, international trends. Israeli food is really popular. So I included that as well. So I try to have Well, Israeli food is really popular because Israeli food is really delicious. But I mean, Israeli food is really 
like also speaks to like food that you find in other regions in that area. You know what I mean? Like oh, the hummus, the, the salads, like the dips, all that kind of stuff. Um, right. So, right. And I do do a lot of that in the Instant Pot. Like I, I made my, I cooked my chickpeas for my hummus in the Instant Pot yesterday. Wow. And, and what is the difference in texture or flavor or is it just a time-saving device? Well, if the, it is time-saving because to cook chickpeas on the stovetop take forever, this still takes a while in the Instant Pot. But using raw chickpeas versus the canned, it is a different flavor. It's a great flavor. My chicken soup in the Instant Pot has a deeper flavor. My chicken stews, mm. my meat stews, the, it's so much more moist, like melt in your mouth, moist, than it is salmon in the Instant Pot. It's so buttery smooth. So Yum. yeah, I think there are, I think there are, yes, if you want something roasted in the oven, you're not going to get that in an Instant Pot, but I have chicken right. wings in the recipe. I steam the chicken wings in the Instant Pot, and then I broil them with everything, bagel spice and barbecue sauce, just five minutes in, each side in the oven. So like you can take anything from the Instant Pot and then like blast it in your broiler for a bit to get the to crisp color. it up. Yeah. That's brilliant. So Paula, um, just tell us quickly, we have one minute left. What I, I, I know you do a ton of virtual cooking classes. I know you do all these things. How, how can we find what you're doing? How can we get this book? Like what's next for you? Okay, so you can always find me through the kosherbaker.com and ask me any questions about baking, cooking, Jewish cooking, French pastry, and Instant Pot cooking now. The, please buy the book from an independent bookstore if you can, the Instant Pot Kosher Cookbook, but you can also find it from the big sellers online, Barnes & Noble and Amazon. I've taught mm -hmm. 157 virtual cooking classes. So I'm always scheduling more classes. I do lots of private classes. I do classes for teenagers where they cook dinner for their parents after school. And that's I love been it. so much fun. So, and I'm on Instagram at Kosher Baker. So please find me and share with me like what you want to learn. And um, I'm happy to post more recipes all the time. Excellent. Paula Shoyer, Kosher Baker. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Nikki Nellis. It's Foodie and the Beast. So now you know how to cook at home. Up next, we're going to talk about maybe bringing some food in. We'll be right back. And we're back on Foodie and the Beast. Uh, yeah, I am beastless. He's away in Chicago. That's because he got vaccinated, people. Get vaccinated. Then you can travel. That's how this works. Um, of course, you still need to mask up, hand sanitize, and uh, socially distance because that's the proper thing to do. Uh, but you do have just me today. And I'm really excited about our next guest. So John Agre um, launched this business during the pandemic. Uh, it's called Din Din. And I'm not even going to explain it to you because it's got some really incredible components that puts different people who were not able to find work during the pandemic and got them working. And it's such a brilliant idea. Uh, I'm going to bring John in. Hey, John, how are you? Good. How are you this afternoon? I'm great. Thank you. So John, Din Din. Tell us about where your head was during the pandemic and how you came up with this concept. Yeah, thanks a lot. So we're looking at last summer. So I incorporated in August, August 20th to be exact, right? So we're less than a year old. And like everybody else, we're reading the front pages of the newspapers from here to Oakland, California. Restaurants have been slammed. Chefs are out of work. There's no rescue capital coming in to relieve them. Uh, you know, the, 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 the chefs that are marquee brands were doing okay, right? The Bobby Flays of the world, you know, the Jose Andreas's, the Wolfgang Punks, but not the everyday chef, right? The folks that are on the front lines cooking the meals for us that we all enjoy so much. And so they're sitting on the couch and I'm thinking, 
what can I do to help? And so Dinden was born out of that sort of back of the napkin thought process. And I wanted to come up with a catchy name. And so when we were growing up, if I lived next door to you, Nikki, and we went out and played, my mom would ask me, where, where was I going? And I'd say, I'm hanging out with Nikki. And she'd say, fine, just make sure you were home in time for Dinden. And we knew <laughs> that meant, right? That meant I coming over to my house for dinner or we're coming over to your house and our parents would make sure that everything was fine at 6 p.m. and there'd be this comfort food that would be prepared, right? While everybody in the family sort of catches up on the day. So I wanted something that brought us back out of this pandemic into a bygone era where food was central to building community. And what we're doing at Dinden essentially is very simple. We're, we're an online platform. Think of us like a concierge virtual food court. And we are aggregating displaced chefs and we're allowing, we're allowing them to be micro entrepreneurs and they're cooking the same meals that they were cooking pre-pandemic when they were working for a restaurant, but they're doing it for themselves out of ghost kitchens around town, right? And then what we do is we take the friction out of that whole experience from buyer to seller. So what they wanna do is cook. What they don't wanna do is to find you as a customer to collect the order, to uh, collect a payment, right? To box the meals and then to get in their car and drive it over to you. They don't want to do any of that. All they want to do is cook you that veal parmesan. So what we mm -hmm. do in, as a, as a uh, dual marketplace is to handle all of that other friction. Um, okay, so let's, let's dig in a little bit on that because um, we're talking about are we talking about only restaurant chefs? Or are these also personal chefs? Because I've been to your website. You have a you have a whole list of, of different cooks and chefs. Are most of them actual restaurant chefs or are they uh, also personal chefs, which are chefs, but it's just a different genre? It turns out that <clears throat> we did 58 focus groups between August and October, just to get a sense on both sides of the marketplace where the pain points were. And it turns out that food truck operators, um, chefs that have been displaced from restaurants and are sitting on the sidelines, caterers, catering companies. Caterers got right? decimated. They, yeah, they decimated. Decimated, right? Uh -huh. um, so they are all coming to us and saying, this is a great idea. We'd love to participate. And so we've signed up a couple of catering companies uh, that mm -hmm. are doing very well. We've signed up a bunch of individual personal chefs that have been displaced. Uh, we're onboarding some folks now that are doing desserts only or mm -hmm. vegan only. Uh, we're we're going to be adding cocktails you know, folks are asking for cocktails. It's just been a very interesting experience. The mobile app for both iOS and Droid was only launched like three, maybe three and a half months ago. And we already have like 1,100, I think 1,124 families signed up. Wow. Uh, so how does it work? So walk me through it. So I, I want to be, first I want to be a chef. So let's say I'm a cook. My restaurant is not reopening. I get in touch with you. How do I, I want to cook my food. How do I tell you my menu? How do I find out where to cook? And how do you box it up and deliver it? And am I just making a one night dinner or am I making meals for the week? Like how, how what is the structure? How does it work? Great, great question. So we have a whole team. I can't John, do this just to myself. be clear, I am full of great questions. That's why I'm <laughs> over here, but go ahead. Your reputation precedes you. So. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, so we've got a great team in-house and what we decided we do is create a playbook called FaceX, F like Frank, A-C-E-X. And really it's mm -hmm. an acronym for Food Accelerator Culinary Experience. 
And it's the playbook that we give to a chef that wants to come on board and be part of this, that walks them through everything from food hygiene, uh, sanitation, your, your permitting, um, uh, how we box the meals, uh, mm. the temperature that the meals need to come in, uh, the proper labeling. It just gives you the whole run of show what you need to be in order to be din din worthy. We don't want any jack leg chefs that are winging it, right? Everything right. is postalized uh, because we're air on the side of caution and hygiene and safety. And so that's what we do. Uh, and then there's a whole onboarding team that onboards you, holds your hand and make sure that you upload the meals and the pictures in the right way um, mm -hmm. and that you price and do portion control the right way. Yeah, because I would think portion control is a is a big deal and pricing it properly is a big deal. Okay, so that's how the chef works, mm -hmm. right? And you really do hold their hand. I think that is a, that's such a gift, right? Especially for people who are like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. It's so great that you give them a system so Absolutely. that it's, that it's super easy for um, them to do. Okay, now I'm an eater and I want to use your app or website and find, how do I do this? Talk, talk me through it. Right, so we have two eaters. We have the consumer and we have the business because we do do catering events. <clears throat> We've done catering events for universities, several universities in town. We've done events for corporations who want to do something for their employees, right? So we will work with them to curate a menu and then the chefs will prepare the menu and then we will deliver it to the employees at their homes. Mm -hmm. And then the staff can get on a Zoom meeting, whether it's an employee appreciation or whether they just wanna have a weekly conference uh, just to stay connected with their employees. So we've done probably a dozen of those We've done a couple for associations as well. So in that case, you reach out to our company and we have a whole catering team that mm -hmm. walks you through curating the menu. On the consumer side, you download our app, either on Droid or um, iOS, and then you create your account. It's a free account. And then you just peruse the website. And what we do is we have a $60 food minimum Mm -hmm. uh, so what you're doing is you're not buying food on demand, Nikki, you're buying food in the future. This is meal prep, meal delivery. So you're thinking intentionally about what your meal for your family is going to look like for next week. At sure. scale. Sure. And mm -hmm. we, allowed, we, we sort of instacarted, if I may use that term, multiple chefs, multiple meals in this box curated for you and then deliver it to you. Well, that's what I was going to ask. So is it possible, like, let's say I want to order for next Friday, but I want to order from one chef, my husband wants to order from another, and my daughter wants to order from another. Can we do that? We, we encourage that. That's, that's, oh, okay. that's part of the magic, right? So you're going into this food court. Right now, we have, what, 80, 90 different meals up there. Uh, your daughter might be 100% vegan, you might be fine with uh, eating non-vegan food, but you want it gluten-free. Your husband is a red meat carnivore. You, right. pick, you could pick and choose what you want. And then we will sort of Instacart, if I may use that term, um, in this box and make sure that it's properly packaged under 41 degrees and then get it delivered to you. We only deliver on Wednesdays and Sundays now as we're mm -hmm. wrapping up. Someday it'll be seven days a week, 24 hours a day, but we deliver on Wednesdays and Sundays. And then what happens is you've got to order your meals for Wednesday by Sunday evening at eight. 
Okay. And, and, and if you want to be, you know, if you want to deliver it on Sunday, uh, it has to be uh, ordered by Thursday evening at eight. And the reason for that is because everything is cooked fresh to order, right? So mm -hmm. our chefs need to know how many meals, how many uh, ingredients they're going to have to or, uh, buy from the store and then mm -hmm. the preparation of those meals. This is not frozen food. This is coming to you right. eat, eat and serve at scale. Okay, so when we get the food, it's good to eat. There's, I don't have to get a pan. I don't have to do anything like just, that. Just heat and serve. Um, okay, so it is just heat and serve. Um, I think that's really uh, interesting. The other component, which you have not mentioned, is the use of your delivery system and where your delivery system came from. I'm not yes. gonna, I'm not gonna tell uh, everybody. I'll let you tell everybody because I think it's cool. We, we have a so one of the things that came out of our focus groups is that. <clears throat> Chefs really do not like the whole DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats experience because as you've read in the news, they take you know, 15, 20, 25% off the top, mm -hmm. which is basically taking their margins. So we've partnered with Reston Limo, uh, Christina Buweri, who is a wonderful friend. She's on my board. Mm -hmm. um, she's committed to Din Din. She's dedicated 70 of her fleet to this enterprise. And so that's our third party delivery. So if you want a concierge upscale premium, meal prep experience, we're the best game in town where the chefs are first rate. 100% mm -hmm. of the meal price goes to the chef, by the way, in our model. So if you see that the meal is $15, the entire $15 goes to the chef. We charge a small transaction fee on top of it. And then rest in limo does the delivery. So uh, you've got a professional in a limousine bringing your red dinging box. It's really, really cool. I think our customers love it. And we can't, we can't thank Rest and Limo enough. They've been terrific. Well, I think that's it, but it was really ingenious because I'm sure the limo business wasn't doing so well, you know, at the height of the pandemic. So you put all these other people to work as well. Correct. It's so been a now, great partnership. As we hopefully see this light at the end of the tunnel, how do you see this business evolving? Do you think people like, this is now a part of their mainstay to think this way, to order this way, to work with these kinds of chefs. How do you see the business evolving moving forward? Yeah, I believe so. I think we live in a relatively unpredictable world. We've got <clears throat> variants of, of Corona that's gonna come and there'll always be a race against trying to get a vaccine for the next variant. Uh, mm -hmm. Beyond that, you know, entrepreneurs have to think, do you really wanna spend your life savings on 5,000 square feet for a restaurant on Main Street, not knowing when you're gonna have to shut it down for a year as we've just experienced? Or do mm -hmm. you wanna carve out the dining room and just do what you love, which is cook from a ghost kitchen, where instead of spending $30,000 a month on rent, you're spending $850 a month um, right. to cook the same meal and build your own brand. Um, we think that this, this, this new way of sourcing meals is gonna be there. Are folks gonna go back out and eat once a week? Of course they will. Mm -hmm. But then the question is, what do you do to source meals the other six days of the week, right? Right. And, so John, tell everybody where they can find Dindin online and on Instagram. So if you go to www.eatdindin.com, you'll find us, you download us on either iOS or uh, the Google Play Store. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. This is Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. 
And we're back on Foodie and the Beast with me, Nikki Nellis. Yes, David will be back next week. Um, but for now, you just get me, you lucky people. So as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it is all in the family sometimes on this show. Uh, Danny Karnoff is founder of Mapped. Uh, it's a locally sourced global food brand. It specializes in rare cuisines uh, with really cool ingredients in ready-to-cook meals. Now, as I mentioned, since Mitch Berliner kicked off the show with us, as he always does, you can find Danny at Central Farm Markets, but she also happens to be my cousin, and I'm so delighted that I get to showcase what she's doing because I think it's amazing. Hi, Danny. How are you? Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for the kind introduction. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. All right. So Danny, let's just talk a little bit about your background and how you wound up at a farmer's market preparing foods, because that's not a natural path a lot of people take. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as you know, we're cousins. We didn't really come from a big food family. No, no, no. Maybe not your side of the family. Your side, My side of the family is a huge food family. Are they? Okay. My side huge is not. Huge family. And just to tell you that yeah. when your dad proposed to your mom, he called my dad to um, help hook him up at restaurants in New York City. Did he really? Yeah. <laughs> I did not hear that story. But um, yeah, my, my side of the family, my mom does not cook. My dad mm -hmm. does not cook. And um, I started getting into food from a really young age because honestly, because they didn't cook. So I got into food when I was eight years old, when kids were on the internet, I was there reading cookbooks. It's always been an interest of mine. And I didn't really know what to do with it, though. Um, so I, I went to college. I, I went for the poli-sci track. And um, when I was a senior in college, I started traveling. I, uh, I did a study abroad program in Samoa and I lived in Samoa and then I went and moved to Fiji. And I lived out there for two years and I was living with local families. Mm -hmm. And I just realized that there was so much incredible food that I just had never tried before and really unique ingredients. And um, it just really excited me because it was, all those different types of stuff I've never seen. And I thought to myself, I'm like, how do I translate this? How do I bring these type of foods back to the United States? So I kind of made up my mission while I was traveling to learn how to cook these type of really unique, really rare um, specialties. And from Fiji, I went to China. And as we know, China has just the most incredible array of food. So. I really dove deep into Chinese cuisine and I traveled throughout Southeast Asia and I went to Africa and Europe and I just was focused on food the whole time. So after I was traveling, I came back to DC and I went into the international development track, but I realized it just wasn't making me super happy. So I started working at farmer's markets on the weekends. And um, I actually worked at Number One Sons they, they're pickle people. I'm sure yeah. you, you know yeah. a lot about them. But yeah, I worked for them for five years and it just made me so happy. So I realized I'm like, can I make this my full-time gig? So now how did you start creating your food? And I want to get to that because I don't want to run out of time. So you created this company and you're making meals that are ready to cook, not meals that are prepared to go, right? So it's a bit of both. So okay. I launched the company in January 2020. Right? Good timing. <laughs> yeah, great timing. Um, but it was actually really great because it was just me and I was figuring it out on my own. So I started off at Mount Pleasant Market 
And Mount Pleasant has been my home for five years. Um, I was working for Number One Sons from that market. So they gave me a shot and they let me bring my food to the market. And but what did you bring? Like, I, I need particulars. Like, what sure. kind of food were you bringing and how were you bringing it? Like, if I go to Central Farm Market today, mm -hmm. what's there? What is there for Matt? So, yeah, I'll tell you how I got there. So, at the beginning, okay. when I started, I was selling hot noodles, only hot noodles, Chinese-inspired noodles. And mm -hmm. once the pandemic hit, I thought to myself, how do I get my noodles into people's hands at home? How do I, mm -hmm. how do I have it be just as fresh and just as delicious for people to eat at home. So I decided to package up everything I was doing at the market and put it into these boxes um, for people to prepare really easily when they get home. And it kind of grew from there. So from there, I started introducing a whole line of other types of foods from different parts of the world. And some of these are also ready to cook. So all you have to do is boil our noodles and mix everything together for our noodle dishes. Um, and there are signature dishes that we started out with. And then after that, I grew into heat and serve or cold salads. So all you have to do is heat it up and enjoy it at home. So now, right now you're at the farmer's market. I know you're at Central Farm Markets. So like if we go today, mm -hmm. what kind of food is available today? Yeah, absolutely. So we have our three Chinese, well, two Chinese inspired noodle dishes. We have a cumin lamb dish. Um, inspired from Xinjiang, East Turkestan, and it's like a spicy lamb noodle. Then we have our hot and dry Wuhan noodles. Ironically enough, I started serving these noodles. They're delicious. And then coronavirus broke out and everyone's like, oh, Wuhan's really bad. And I'm like, no, it's really great. No, <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just an area. <laughs> it's just an area, exactly. So I, um, I have those dishes on my menu every week. And then otherwise we have a rotating selection of meals based on what we get from farmers. So we have this week, we have um, a North Indian inspired eggplant and potato curry dish. We have a Kenyan mm -hmm. inspired uh, green lentil coconut curry. We have a Senegalese inspired chicken yasa. Um, we do a, a Greek galak de borico and you can find a bunch of other stuff. We do Mexican asiote chicken and a whole slew of other um, types of meals. So how many, how many meals do you come with every week? Every week we bring six to seven different meals. So you have six to seven different dishes and are they, can they go in the fridge? Can they go in the freezer? Do you have to bring them home and eat them that day? How does that work? Yeah, they're all fresh. So they, we recommend people eat them um, within five days of purchasing them. So they're okay. all fresh. They just need to be kept in the refrigerator. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So now you've also launched a cooking club. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, I'm super excited. So um we are launching the cooking club. It starts just this Monday is our first, our first class. And I'm mm -hmm. going to be teaching people how to cook some of these um, globally inspired meals at home. And a lot of people have asked me where I'm getting my inspiration from. How do I come up with this stuff? How do, how do they make it? So I decided that why not share some of the knowledge that I've gained from all of my travels and teach people um, virtually. So we're going to have cooking classes once a month and every mm -hmm. month we're featuring a different cuisine. And for people that are local, they can pick up a box um, for either one, two or four people. And it has all of the ingredients ready to go in the box that you need for that month's class. So tell us what's gonna be on the class on Monday. So this week we're doing a French inspired Easter pie. And it's um, a, a rustic style pie that's filled with 
goat's cheese and spinach, fresh asparagus, and has whole eggs baked into the pie itself. Yum, that sounds delicious. Yeah, it's really tasty. (laughs) And so what do you see for yourself going forward? Like, it sounds like the pandemic really percolated the business and helped you sort of move it probably faster than it would have. So what do you see coming next for you? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I'm still figuring this out because it is so new and I am just going with it right now. We are focusing on our markets. We're focusing on farmers markets. We're now in six. You can find us um, in two in DC, Mount Pleasant and Petworth. And we're at Pike and Rose, Bethesda, um, Mosaic with Fresh Farm and Silver Spring. So we're focusing on markets and we're also focusing on our cooking club. And down the line- So (laughs) how many people are working for you? Right now I have nine employees. It's really blown up. Good for you. Thanks. That's amazing. All <laughs> yeah. right. So Danny, tell me and tell everybody where they can find you online and where they can find you on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. So you can find us online at our website. It's www.mappedfoods.com. So M-A-P-P-D foods.com. And mm-hmm. our Instagram is mapped underscore global foods. And um, same with our Facebook. And yeah, you can find us online. You can pre-order if um, you want to pick what you want before it sells out at the market. And yeah, we're, we're out there every weekend. So it's pretty easy to find us. Excellent. Well, I love what you're doing. I love your ingenuity. I think it's terrific. I do think you should talk to the previous guest uh, because it feels like there's some symbiotic things there for you. And I really appreciate you joining me today. And I enjoyed uh, this show very much. And I want to thank everybody who's listening today for joining me. Just a couple quick reminders. Check out the list, areyouonit.com, the online e-zine. We list everything that we talked about today on the show, but everything going on in the DC metro area. All those Michelin stars are on there. The latest in brunches, patio pleasures, and of course, every event happening in the DC metro area. Please follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I keep you up to date on the latest and greatest happening in the DC food, wine, and hospitality scene. Thank you all again for joining us. Please get your vaccine, mask up, hand sanitize, socially distance, and most importantly, have a delicious week.